Before we get into today's episode, I've created a short questionnaire that will help me get to know you better. Those that fill out the questionnaire will get entered into a draw to win an Amazon gift card. So there's a link in the description for the episode. Click it, fill out the questionnaire, and I look forward to hearing your feedback. Now for today's episode. This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. Today I'm joined with Jim Frawley, who's the CEO of Bellwether. So we're discussing AI, tech, and how to, I guess, stand out in a a tech and AI-driven world. So Jim, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So before we dive into the world of AI, how did you get started in this? It seems quite new to most people. I imagine it's not for you. So talk us through how you got involved. Yeah, so so in the tech world, I guess it probably goes back when I had, when I was in corporate, it was about 20 years in corporate, um, doing all kinds of different work, executive communications, business strategy, PR, and it was in the financial industry during the financial crisis. So there was massive amounts of change. And I learned a significant amount from those executives who did really well responding to that kind of level of change. And back in 2015, I left the financial industry, launched a consulting business, doing things on helping people. How do you prepare for change? And obviously, AI uh, has been talked about for for decades. I know it's being hit right now really hard, but I always found it to be particularly interesting because it's going to fundamentally change everything in terms of what's possible. It's incredibly exciting about what's possible. But at the same time, it makes us, as humans, question our value. And so there was an interesting kind of dichotomy that, that you know, when I help people prepare for change, you have to focus on the individual. And, and AI and technology is one of the biggest fundamental changes to anything that we have. And so we have to focus on the individual so that we can respond appropriately. Now, a while back, there was a lot of talk of it's only as good as the person using it, all the information it's been given, almost like a calculator is only as good as what you input it, that kind of thing. And it makes, it makes me think, is that what we're experiencing with AI is in it's quite specific. It's quite, this is the problem we're trying to solve. And it puts everything into that. Can you ever see it becoming a general AI that would in theory replace us in, in a lot of ways? Or was it still quite, this is what we're going to solve and we're going to use AI to do it? Yeah. it's um. So the way most people are using AI right now, it's kind of garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you put in, it's going to spit back specifically what you asked for. And it's very important to think about that and recognize that it's it's we have to think of a new way to think, right? So to use it effectively, we have to think of a new way to think. However, I think this is going to be pretty short term. Uh, we already have that I've read about two AIs have started to communicate with each other in a language that humans can't decipher and we can't interpret it. We don't know what it means. Um, so AI is going to evolve and do things in a much more... Um, efficient fashion. And I, I think it's going to make us question all the assumptions that we've had up to this point. It's going to make us rethink everything. Are you comfortable doing that? Um, but at the same time, it's going to give us new levels of knowledge that we've never even thought about. I mean, some some theorists are saying that we are going to double everything we've learned in all of humanity. We're going to double that in the next 10 years, which is just incredible to me like every assumption every science and every everything that we've learned is now going to we're going to learn twice as much in the next decade um and so the the possibilities there are are endless but um at this point yes ai will only give you what you know you put into it but it will start thinking for you 
some people struggle now with just social media and phones and technology becoming a bigger part of our lives some are struggling now what well, imagine 10 years from now when i mean everything in human history in 10 years like okay well two years from now we're a fifth of the way there which is also frightening of how much progress will happen in the short term if everything is 10 years five years three years it's still a long way in terms of how far we'll come and what's possible and things like that do you think people will ever be able to keep up or do you think that's the point where we're not supposed to keep up yeah i don't think we'll ever keep up or at least we'll never feel like we're keeping up and so there there's you know when we think about change and how things change so quickly we have this fear of being left behind and so people are keeping up pretty well right now, even though we don't feel like we're keeping up because we always know something else is around the bend, something else is around the bend, and it's kind of uh, inducing stress and, and pushing us to the way that we want to go. Um, I do think at a certain point, there's going to be a bifurcation in many different ways um, where you're going to have to make a decision on, do you want to go on this path or this path? And AI is going to go in these different kinds of levels and you're going to keep up with one side, but ignore the others. I mean, if you were to think about all the possibility, I mean, and this is probably not a good example, but I'll do it anyway. If social media is, do you really do Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, um, WhatsApp, Discord, Reddit, uh, Twitter, right? I mean, you've got all these things. People are just now kind of shedding and saying, you know what? I'm only going to opt for this one because this is where I'm going to communicate with people. The same kind of thing is probably going to happen with AI, where over the next decade, there's going to be so much and it's going to change so quickly. You're just going to have to anchor to one and ride that wave. Uh, almost like when you go into an Apple universe or a Google universe, you just become an Apple or Google person. You're going to be in this own kind of AI system and you're going to have your own AI. And what does that mean? And what's the the system behind it? Um, and so eventually we'll get there. Um, but right now it's more of just that chaotic beginning of something of something new. I'd be really curious about what kinds of changes you're wanting people or hoping people make. Like what kind of assumptions are we going to have to question? What belief systems are we going to have to let go of and try to adopt if we're going to live in a tech-driven world? Like I, I often say, you know, children younger than 10 now, they might not actually need to work to get by by the time they're 18. So we fast forward 10 years the people that are children now are going to be adults in a very different world than what we have now. And I don't know what that's like. I don't know how we're going to survive financially, economically, whatever the case is. It's going to be a very difficult thing to grasp and to survive with, given, you know, if 80, 90% of jobs go because AI will take over the amount that we can get by with in terms of like, okay, well, maybe you can't do everything, but does it need to? Can we just let go of the other 10% because we don't really need it? It's not that big of a deal. What happens to humans at that point? What kind of changes do we have to make? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's, um, I don't feel like, well, I'll say this in a couple of different ways. One, I think the societal impact of AI is going to be fairly significant because some people just aren't willing to keep up or they're afraid to keep up, or they don't know how to keep up or anything else. So I do think society is going to have to put some safety net together to support these people that are just being left behind. Now, what that looks like, probably, I mean, who knows what that's even going to look like, but um, 
there are bigger, you know, geopolitical challenges and and does war end up disrupting everything and do you close borders and then all of a sudden you've got, you know, do you have this almost smaller size economy within a smaller type of section um, where there's, you know, you've got your AI and everything else. I don't think AI is going to replace 90% of jobs. I think it's going to change 90% of jobs or maybe even 100% of jobs. I think what, what's interesting about humans and, and what we forget about is we're so focused on the change that AI is bringing. We forget that we are uniquely human and there's value to that. And, you know, when I think about how, how AI affects my job now, it eliminates a lot of the routine work, the mindless work so that I can then be creative. Now, the challenge with that is most of us have stopped being creative over the last 20 years because we haven't had to. We've had technology doing that type of work for us. But kind of going back to what you said before is, you know, how uh, do we become learners and how do we get really good prompts to put into AI so that we can think about AI in a different type of way and AI could do different types of work? A lot of talk, you know, I've done a few interviews with journalists saying, is journalism going away because they could just write reports and write articles? And the answer is no, because a journalist their first role is not just to write a story, it's to ask really good questions. And so it can give you an outline of an article and you can put your final touches on it, but what questions are you asking the AI? And I also like the example of a 10-year-old. You know, we've got kids. The reason kids are so happy, this is my theory. I don't know if it's true or not. The reason kids are so happy is because they're constantly learning and challenging status quo. The reason yeah. adults are so miserable is because we've got the routine and we're supposed to have the answers. And I think that is going to be um, something for adults to learn as we're going with AI is we have to become learners again and let AI do the 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 processing and thinking for you. But how do we become learners and curious? And that's going to help us, you know, get excited about AI and do these these different types of things. How do you think about things like not just jobs, but the, the idea of nothing being free? You know, you can be creative all you want and everyone loves a hobby. But what happens then? Do we get so good at it that people can actually pay us for it, but then can AI do just enough that we're not really worth as much, for want of a better word? Because we, it's so hard to not just be better than the AI. It takes a lot of work, this hobby that becomes a passion, that becomes a business or a, a career or something like that. Do you think that we'll have to shift as well, like the idea that we have to work for a living? Why can't we just live and be creative and have fun with it and be a child again? A lot of the times it's life that is given to us in a way when we're young enough to be able to adapt and grow and change and and get with the program so to speak but what happens when we don't need to do that do we ever need to do that does we do we have to change at a cultural level for that to be okay because there are people out there that do it now already it's happening now but is it okay for everybody to do that i think um I don't think it's okay for everyone to do that because we need, so here's what work provides. Work provides you much more than money. Work provides you with a sense of purpose. It provides you with a routine. It provides you with time management. It provides you with social interaction. It provides you with all of these different types of things. Um, we've been talking about the future and how nobody has to work for probably 200 years, right? If you look back at any of the old writings and everything, you know, you won't have to work in the future and everything, but that's never really come to fruition. I do think um, psychologically, we're going to have significant challenges with this because we're going to have to constantly create value as human beings. There will always be some kind of economy. Now, what money looks like 
is probably up in the air right now for the next 30 years. You know, in 30 years, what is money? You know, the dollar bill is not going to be there. The euro is probably not going to be there. Um, is it some kind of cryptocurrency? And how do you get credits or whatever? Like, who knows what it's going to evolve? Think about whatever kind of movie you want. Um, but we also have to, I think, from a political standpoint is, you know, leadership in, in any country is going to have to decide what type of country do we want to be? And what kind of support do we want to provide people? And do we have, you know, food is going to be a big challenge. Um, and that's really when we go back to the fundamental, you know, hierarchy of needs, food, shelter, you know, health, like all of these things. Um, is the government going to be in a position to provide that for people or do you go private with that? And then how do you actually spend your time? Um, that's all up in the air. But what I would say also is that it's up to an individual to determine where they're going to be. Right. Whatever's given to you for free is fine. Right. But nobody ever really wants the free stuff. They want more. And that's going to be up to you to kind of get more and create more and build more. And that's what what people are going to have to do in, in that economy. I guess that's the way it is currently as well. I, I wonder if the bars will move or the standards will move when the majority of it could be technically covered, so to speak, without humans actually doing it. I wonder if that, do you think that'll actually happen? Do you see that happening where, okay, the bars have moved now, like we've got to be more valuable as a standard level before we can actually start to be financially compensated, let's say, um, if you wanted to. So there's that element of if you have the desire for more, if you want to progress more, the barrier for entry might be so much higher because the rest of it is is taken care of, it's fine. So in order to stand out, you've got to up so much more if you imagine you know life can spit you out into the real world at 18 and all of a sudden you've got all these responsibilities and bills whether you're prepared for them or not not just that but then you've got okay along with all of those things you've then got right well 90 80 percent of it is now covered by ai and tech and robotics and 3d printing and all kinds of other things that are happening in the future you've got to be able to do so much more than two or three generations ago. Will people make that leap? Are people going to want to make that leap at 18, 16, whatever the case is? Is that going to be desirable if it is a big leap? Or are people just going to be like, you know what, it's just not worth it? I think you'll see both. And I think you're starting to see that right now. I think um, you know, if you look at corporate, I get a lot of client questions on ambition and why people don't want to be ambitious anymore. Um, and the answer is, especially here in the States, is um, people got a taste of being with their families during COVID um, and they actually kind of like it. And they see the executives, the senior executives, and they know what it has to take to get there. And they say, I'm not really willing to do that, right? Any type of success, if you say, I want something, the first question that should come back is, what are you willing to give up to get it? Are you willing to give up social interactions? Are you willing to give up family? Are you willing to give up, you know, what are you willing to sacrifice in order to get whatever it is that you want? Now, as we look towards the future and do you have to work and, and do you have enough and, and all of these types of things, there are so many different angles to, to think about, you know, will there be social disruption before that actually happens? Um, do you become a, a government state where you just say, we'll provide you with housing and everything else. And then people just say, that's not enough. And then they rise up in arms and, um, you know, 
satisfaction and stories and mentality and and what's the message and and all of these things there's a frustration as well and you could feel frustration bubbling now in terms of what are people able to do and what do they get and what do they have um so that's to be determined i do think though there is always going to be a position for people who want to create more and build more and see opportunity because no matter what system you have whether it's capitalistic or something else there will always be a top tier and people will always want to be in that top tier. And that will always drive people to do actions. Whether I mean, some people are motivated by altruism. Some people are motivated by money. Some people are motivated by brand and, and association and everything else. So everybody's different. But that is always some kind of motivation for people. So I think that will always kind of bubble up and, and be something to address. What do you think will happen first? Do you think society and culture will shift? Or do you think we will shift in terms of our priorities, our desires? I mean, you mentioned that things like a lack of ambition in certain people is happening already since the pandemic. I get the impression then that that's only going to speed up and the people will change, I guess, quicker than the culture will change or the governance will change or the leadership will change because they've, they've been heroically not that great at changing um i wonder if that's going to be more of a problem let's say when everyone else is changing around the governance and the leadership and they're not changing at all what happens then if something takes over or something changes quicker than something else and that then becomes the weak link and are we going to be self-governed because the leadership just don't seem to want to acknowledge the fact that everything's different now. How bad do you think this could be? Or how good do you think this could be? Paints a bit of a, I guess, a realistic picture, hopefully. And then talk us through like a what if, like what if things don't go well? There are these two visions you can have of the future. One is like all of these beautiful white buildings, people walking around in robes, nobody's working, robots do everything. And it's just, you're eating grapes and everything's nice. And then there's this <laughs> other one where like, the sun never shines and you've got these tall buildings and you're kind of sneaking through alleyways and it's dark and you're all kind of, um, you know, trying to steal credits and do whatever you can to kind of, you know, <laughs> find old recycled car parts in order to do whatever. Um, I I think someone once told me once, and I believe this, nothing's ever as good as you think it's going to be and nothing's ever as bad as you think it's going to be. Um, but what's interesting, if you look at time and who we are, you know, when context changes, we make different decisions and we become different people. Every experience we have, every decision we make actually makes us a different person. And it changes our assumptions and it changes what we see and it changes what we look towards and everything else. And so what's going to come first, whether it's social disruption or people adapting or whatever, I mean, I think they're probably going to go hand in hand because we are going to change as these things happen. Um, do you see certain levels of strife? Do strife do decisions start getting made to kind of quell that and serve those needs and and address what people actually need or are the decisions not made and all of a sudden it gets worse and so um where the result of society is generally a result of um the priorities we make and the decisions we make and we'll see where you know my role or not my role what i see the role of government as being is really to protect us from our worst possible selves that's ultimately what government is about. And do we still have a government in the future? I imagine we would. Everybody, you know, we've got civilization and people look to leadership and and it's just kind of how we've settled into things. And I think people are comfortable with that. I don't think we'd ever undo that. But government's responsibility is to protect us from 
our worst possible selves and and whatever kind of lord of lord of the flies nonsense could come out of it um so yes is anything possible anything is possible i would say shove any kind of assumption but what's interesting is when things get really bad we assume the darkest um but there's a very interesting book it's called humankind where the research shows that it actually doesn't get dark we actually come together as humans really incredibly well um, and he used examples of London after the big bombings uh, in the World War and how people were just helping each other. Um, and then other situations as well, where it never gets as bad as we think this kind of anarchy kind of mayhem and and Mad Max type of stuff. It doesn't really happen. Um, people see each other as humans first. And no matter what happens with AI doing whatever it is, we still are human beings. And I think we'll we'll see that and continue to push each other in a, in a productive way. Films have definitely created some story in people's heads about what technology can do, what the possibility is. And I wonder if we're just taken over by things like Transformers and Terminator and iRobot. And I mean, if it ends up going the Transformers route, I'd be pretty impressed. You know, like everyone, all alien robots come down and they help us out and then you've got terminator which is like a robot takes over the planet and then you've got irobot which is to try and govern and they all try and break the rules eventually like the cage is there to be escaped kind of thing and it's a weird thing where we're influenced so much by films i mean i'm still waiting for my hoverboard from back to the future i'm still waiting like i'm sat waiting for this thing someone made one there is a hoverboard someone made one Oh really? I'll have to uh, try and find where that is. Um, but but yeah, it's it's funny how we have ideas about how it could be, and I mean I'm I'm a big believer in just wait and see what happens because you can have your ideas and it's fine. But I, I'll never come on the show or speak to people and say I think AI is going to do this and it will do this and it is going to go this way. Because there's a very very good chance that it won't. And I think that is a difficult thing because there are people that aren't in the influential space where we can think what we want, do what we want, say what we want about AI, but we can't really influence it. Like what we say is just what we say is what it is. Then there are people that are in charge of programming these AIs, these big corporations, these companies, these corporations, governments, whatever it is. There are people sat at a desk somewhere that do have the ability to program the AI to make it make the decisions that it wants to make. They're in charge of the system, essentially. How do you go about something like that? Because I I watch programs and documentaries about philosophy and making decisions, and I'm thinking, okay, well, would I... The, the kind of typical problem that I always think about is would I kill three to save ten? And that makes me think, well, it depends on how. So if I'm pressing a button and it happens on the other side of the world, I feel mentally more likely to do that than if I'm having to strangle every single one physically with my own hands. I would not decide on that one because I'm physically doing it. Pressing a button happens on the other side of the world. It's okay. Well, you save many to, you know, you, you kill a few to save many kind of situation. Yep. That feels morally okay, but then if I've got to go around and strangle them all, I wouldn't do it because I, I'd feel too connected. How do you think about the AI, the programming, the philosophy, the decision-making? What rules do you see AI being governed by? Because I can't make those decisions. 
Um, and I wonder if there's some people out there that are at the helm of this that do actually have a firm grasp on how it should think and how it should make decisions. Yeah, I think it's going to be something we have to grapple with quite a bit. Um, and I mean, when we think about AI, we think about the iRobots and we think about the Transformers. I mean, everything that we imagine is old, right? Everything informing what we imagine. iRobot was written back in like the 50s. Isaac Asimov was way back then. And Transformers was when I was a kid. I mean, it's almost 50 years old. And the Terminator 2 came out when VHS was on. And so, you know, all of those kind of things. And, and it's I mean, it's fun to think about it that way, but when we get philosophical in terms of decision-making and what AI is allowed to do, context is incredibly important. And we find that AI is much better at making certain types of decisions than humans based on informing all the context. Doctors are using it now to kind of question what their um, assumptions are in terms of what disease is, and AI is making better uh, estimates on disease. Um, but again, the context is very important. Would you kill three people to save 10? Uh, some people would say yes, some people would say no, and I would say it depends on who the three people are, right? I mean, would you kill three uh, children to save 10 people in their 80s? Probably the answer is no, right? And so, you know, or maybe it would be yes, I don't know. I mean, it depends on who they are. Are they important people? Not about like, and what is important? So um, there is, and you bring up an interesting point, you know, seeing not seeing them and being across the world is very different than doing it in person we're humans and we have empathy and sympathy and and we we want other humans to be okay um we want other humans that are like us especially to be okay and so do you make different decisions based on who those people are as well like we've got all these ingrained kind of biases and everything else um but there's logic and there's emotion and how do you how do you pair those two ai technically doesn't have emotion um, and that's one thing that makes us uniquely human. Um, does that cloud your ability to make judgment or does it, you know, help your ability to make judgment and and recognize that they're human beings? So there's there's so much unknown context in any of this philosophical debate that we could debate it all the time. As you're building, um, there has to be, I agree, some kind of governance in terms of and, and do you allow AI to make those types of decisions or does it just become one more voice? in a collective decision-making process, which is what I see uh, organizations doing is you now have your chief operating officer, your chief executive officer, your chief marketing officer, and your chief AI. And does the AI come up and say, this is, you know, based on logic, this is what we should do and, and see what, um, how that actually impacts your decision. Are you making the right decision? So it should support you as you're doing that. Whether or not that ever overtakes it is to be determined, but I do think there's value in getting that pure logic versus the emotion that gets clouded so that we can make effective decisions. That makes sense, actually. It actually makes me think, if the AI is another voice in the room, can you imagine the kind of person that would be able to override that? Like, if AI ever gets so good, so high in processing speeds and able to judge things at a million miles a second spits out this thing that you could never even dream of can you imagine the kind of person that would stand there and go you're wrong like to we're going to go this way instead it's going to breed a weird kind of person whether it you know they're high performing whether they think like an ai whether they use ai to study and then they're able to you know, process things at a high speed, but then put the emotion in, put the the humanity into the decision-making so it's not all computer. That was really a very strange kind of human in a way where they're able to 
override an AI that is so smart, so sophisticated, so complex? And where do you see that going? If someone's like the CEO and it's him and the AI, and you think, oh, that's pretty good. You've you processed like two generations of, of data and information, but I'm still going to go this way instead. That must have a lot of responsibility and pressure tied to it because, you know, if you get it wrong, the AI's kind of won that battle. Whereas if you get it right and the AI gets it wrong, do you stop trusting what the AI would say and you just go with your gut anyway? It seems like a weird tug of war match between humans and computers at this point. Yeah, it's um, but the gut feeling is something that, again, makes you uniquely human. So that's, you know, it shouldn't be discounted um almost like in that book blink right most of the right decisions we make is in that first instant because we've got the the gut instinct um what's interesting today about ai is that it only focuses on history and what i learned when i looked at finance is history doesn't indicate future results we could find trends and we could use that to say this is what typically happens um but how do you process it to predict what's going to happen in the future? Now, if you go back really far in history and find these really big trends, like a Ray Dalio type, then yes, you could find it, but you don't know exactly when it's going to hit. And that's going to be your kind of challenge and, and balance and, and adjustment where what if AI is right, but it's 10 years too early? Or what if AI is right, but it's, you know, whatever. Um, and so there is going to, and then also, you know, who's running the AI is there a nefarious mind to kind of override it and put some kind of bad code in or something like that? I mean, that's kind of um, to be determined, but it's um, I think, I think everybody's going to have their own AI to help them inform their decisions. And when I say everyone, I think you're going to have an AI at home that's going to be yours and, and it's going to help you make decisions on, on anything. And, um, and we have it a little bit today, right? Put this on my shopping list and do all that other stuff. We've got these types of things. Um, but it is something that we're going to have to protect to make sure that it is giving us the information that we want it to have. I would be so tempted to call mine Jarvis. I don't know about you, but I would be, <laughs> I, I, I would be the kind of person that would name it Jarvis and that, that would be it. That would be what I would, what I would do. And that would be my personal AI. I set them the task of making the suit and I'd be hopeful, you know, I'd be, so look, if I've, I've got to sell more to, buy the metal to make it out you know i, I would do it you know that, that'd yeah. be my thing um but yeah I, I think it's it's becoming a situation where it's almost a i wouldn't say it's a breaking point but i think we're at a crossroads in a lot of ways because there'll be a lot of people that don't want ai to get more of a handle on others people and then there are people that are happy to do that to a point and then there'll be some people that think you know what just give it give it humanity and just say, look, we need to improve. We need to do better. What's the option? Uh, I, w I wonder if that ever happens. You ever think about stuff like that, where if you follow this to its conclusion, what situation would actually happen? I can think of a way of wanting it to be, but where would you see it going? Do you think it'll ever get to an idea of governance by AI, or do you think we'll always have an element of humanity involved just because it's the only thing that AI can't do is be truly human? Or do you think that'll get replaced as well? I think, I mean, there's always a place for human leadership. Um, I don't think AI will completely take it over. I don't think people want it to completely take over, especially now, maybe in the future. 
Um, but you use AI to kind of predict probabilities and statistics and all of these different types of things to help you inform your decisions. Um, but I always think, even if people would like an AI, I don't think there is always going to be one human out there who won't allow it to happen because they're going to want to be in power and, and be a leader. So um, I don't think we'll ever be fully governed by AI. I do think it will be instrumental in our governance process in helping us make the decisions that we need to make in terms of predicting, you know, predicting human behavior and, and how we um, how decisions we make are going to play out. We've mentioned things like the gut feeling. We've mentioned emotion. What other ways do we stand out from AI? Is it just those two or is there more involved in the, the cake that makes us human? I mean, the big one that I would say is creativity, right? We, we build something. We can come up with a new idea. We can come up with something. Why are we doing it this way? Why don't we do it a different way? And um, what are the types of questions that we can ask that we've never asked before? This philosophical kind of um, item. And uh, I don't know if AI will ever get to that point. I don't think AI will ever get to that creative kind of um coming up with a new idea that hasn't been really thought of before it may make connections that have never been connected before but i don't think it will ever be creative to say this is something that i want right um and uh and and also interpretation right humans interpret in a very certain way and the emotion is a very important part of that and gut feelings are a part of that and our perspectives are are valuable um our experiences inform our decisions and the the type of schooling you had, the your race, your gender, your um, everything, right? Your family, every, all of these things inform your decision making. That makes you uniquely human, and there's value in that. And there's value in that type of perspective, and there's value in those types of decisions. So um, I think those are the types of things that we have to really tap into uh, on a human perspective. Uh, and and by doing so, it allows us to kind of compartmentalize AI and put it where it's supposed to be, but still remember why we're doing what it is that we're doing and why we're here and um, and enjoying those those little types of perspective that are unique to you. So imagine if the AI actually had a handle on creativity and emotion. Let's just say they were showing signs of of doing that. Where can we go as humans how do we get do we have to get more emotional do we have to get more creative do we have to get more i guess better at using our, our gut instinct and trying to think outside the box because ai started to show signs that they're starting to do that they're starting to look at things differently they're starting to employ certain emotions that humans have how do we become more human yeah, it's a good, well, you know what I, I would say, How do, it's not a question of how do we become more human, it's how do we not let our humanity uh, be a hindrance, right? So, you know, we're very empathic, right? And some would argue that too much empath, too much empathy um, is actually hindering our ability to make decisions. And if a robot were to start using these, because emotion is a few different things, as you see it from external kind of purposes. One is the feeling, which it will never have. But how can it showcase that it has this feeling, right, with a frown on the face and with hunched shoulders and, you know, could it adopt that where we then feel an emotion towards this robot? Um, and some research is showing that our ability to have 
interactions with human beings are going down because we're treating robots like garbage, even though it's got these human characteristics that we're blurring the lines between human human and people. So I don't know um, where that's actually going to go. I think that's part of you know evolving and what's important. And it's you know you take a look at all the research that's happening now with the internet and everything else. There's going to be more research on how are we interacting with other human beings from a sociological standpoint and everything else. Um, so I, I I think that's to be determined. I think AI will probably some people will want you know a friend. And they've got their AI friend and your friend, you're going to want to have emotions and connect with you and say, oh, that's terrible. Tell me more. And um, so AI will be adopting some of these emotions. And I put that in quotations. Um, but we have to, you know, we have to be we have to figure out how to compartmentalize that in, in the right kind of way. So is that a sense of it might not feel the emotion, but it's able to act as if it was feeling the emotion, make decisions from that place? Does that matter then? And if it doesn't feel the emotion, if it's able to think about it in that way, like how how important is it that they actually feel the emotion if they're able to act scared? Or if I was scared, then I would do this. Therefore, because I've been, you know, tasked with acting as if I was scared in this situation, it just makes sense to do that, even if I don't necessarily feel the emotion. Like how important is the actual feeling if it could be replicated in some way? Well, it's um, one does. Is there a calculation some way that you could put some equate some kind of emotion into a logical process? And maybe there is some way that they could do that in terms of what is scared or fear or any of those. How does that impact logic? And, you know, you kind of play with those numbers. But it does matter in the sense of seeing someone else act a certain way. Does that change your ability to make decisions yourself? And so it would matter in terms of if the AI makes some kind of fear or whatever. Fear is contagious and these things are contagious. And so does it change our behavior, our emotions and everything else? So that's where it would matter. Um right. I think is how it would actually impact us, whether or not it feels it, right? It probably won't feel it. Um, or is there, or maybe it would, right? Is there some logical kind of process consequence kind of thing where it could feel, again, in quotations? Um, I mean, that's probably, you know, there's probably a, an AI nerd out there who could probably talk more about kind of how to, how to do that. But, um, but I think it would matter in the sense of, does it actually change us and how we respond? Um, because even if it's not feeling it, it's showing that it feels it. And then we would then feel it because we're so, as humans, we're empathic. I'm starting to see more humans at robotic. I don't know about you, Jim, but I think the idea of robots becoming more human-like is going hand in hand with humans being more robotic and apathetic and logical and... I guess a little bit more inside their own bubble a little bit as well. They've become so much more detached than they used to be, which is actually making me think, well, maybe robots will overtake us in our ability to be human and emotional because acting like it is better than us feeling the emotion and not acting like it because we're able to be more logical and rational and connecting the dots. It's almost like the computers are making us more like them while they are fighting to be more like us it seems like we'll meet in the middle somewhere and we'll both just end up being the same kinds of people well i think yeah you know we we talk about robots as if they're se separate entities too and i do think humanity is going to evolve where you know we think about robots and you think about this metal kind of structure going around 
but is there a new breed of almost humanity that's built with AI components in it, technology in it? And does that, you know, build something new where it's not necessarily a separate entity that's pretending to be have feelings? It's a feeling human with these computer tendencies and, and abilities and everything else. And so um, I certainly I mean, that's I would say that's almost a given in the next 50 years where you've got this hybrid human computer kind of robot thing. Um, and it's, yeah, I think that's absolutely a given of, of what's going to happen over time. So I, I don't think of them as two separate kind of things. I do think that it's going to merge and, and, um, that's super exciting and, and wild at the same time. But, um, I think, I think AI and, and all of this work is fundamental, um, not fundamental, but it's similar to the rise of human life on earth because we are going to have a new kind of life system in the next say hundred years or so. Um, yeah. which is incredible. But so would you say you were an optimist then, Jim? Would you put it as okay, we're gonna be somewhere on the positive side of this, or are you unsure? Are you undecided because we're still trying to figure it out ourselves? Um I wouldn't say I'm an optimist or a pessimist. I would say um I'm excited to see what comes. Right. And it's more of and and I um people worry a lot because they don't know what's around the corner. But you can't impact what's around the corner. Right. The only thing I could change is is how I respond. And so um I am excited about a lot of these things. I think it is going to make life easier in a lot of ways, very painful for a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And so um, so I wouldn't say I'm an optimist or a pessimist. I would say that it's something that I want to be a part of. And I want to watch and I want to see how it grows. And and um, as I think about raising my children, who, are, who this is going to hit much harder, um, how do I teach them to ask really, really good questions? And how do I teach them to be really, really good humans? And um, how do I teach them to not have assumptions? Because um, I do think that's an important, it's going to be an important component of, of what happens in the future. How do you think about that? Do you have certain things that you can ask kids? How would you train the younger generation? Is there anything that you're doing with your own kids? How would you advise people like that moving forward? Um, what I use with a lot of clients I use with my kids too is, is all questions, right? And I all I generally try not to tell my kids what's right or wrong. Um, I try to ask questions so that they can articulate it themselves. Um, Everything from, you know, why is the sky blue? And you say, well, tell me why you think the sky is blue. And we know that it's how light reflects and everything else. And sometimes, you know, you give that kind of knowledge. Um, but a lot of the why questions that come up is, you know, tell me what you think and why do you think that way? And and you can almost lead them through questions to kind of get them to where they need to go. And so I embrace questions quite a bit because we're at a time where having the answers is outdated right you're not going to need to be the person who has answers ai will do that for you you need to be the person who asks questions and so we ask a lot of questions in our house and i think that's an important um important skill set to to teach the next generation Tell a bit about bellwether the kind of work that you're doing how can people connect with you i really enjoyed having you on jim it's been fascinating i think lots of people will take this and run with it and do their own research as well so i think we've created the spark for people but how can people find out more about yourself and what kind of work you're up to 
Sure. The um, So the website is jimfrawley.com or you could go to bellwetherhub.com. Uh, the social handles are all Jim Frawley NY. And what we do is we, I mean, we're working with leadership teams, we're working with organizations, we're working with individuals on how do you prepare for that change when you don't know what change is coming, right? What is your people strategy? What is your growth strategy? What is your individual promotion strategy and where you want to go and all of that? So, um, asking those types of questions and helping people fill in the answers. And that's, um, there's so much opportunity. It's, it's an incredible time. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening, feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others, and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Jim, thanks for joining me. It's been great. and I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This is a really fun conversation, so thank you.